theyeshiva.net. The word alumim, the Malatanya said, has two interpretations. The literal interpretation is sheaves. Bundles of, uh, of stalks of grain, when you bind them together in piles, they're called alumim. Ma'almim is what you do, you bind it, and alumim is the, is the noun, what you have, the objects. Which represents, as he explained at length, that uh, all the stalks were separate, and alumos connect them. You bring them together and you tie them together so they become part of one entity. That's what an aluma is. What is that a metaphor? That's a reflection of what he says, the avoid of the shvatim. The avoid of the shvatim was what's called birur hanetzutsus, identifying and sublimating the sparks and as I said yesterday, what's the definition of a spark? Runa's bark is the aspect of that particular uh, item or object or person or thing which makes it part of Ein Saif, identifying that component in it, clarifying it, sublimating it, because as he says, the sparks, so to speak, fell. They went through a fall. They went through a transformation or a trauma through the process of Shreya Sakelim, which caused pirut, separateness, fragmentation, or at least perceived fragmentation. It's much deeper, it's not just the Nekud it's the... It's what it really is. See the purpose of them, why this is happening, or what this item is. Yeah, and, and, and more, yes, all that. And uh, perhaps the main of the main definition is that it's the it's identifying its its identity as part of infinity. That's the nitzutz. The nitzutz is its divinity. What it really is. To see the base as part of Baruch, to see the Reish as part of Baruch, to see the Vav as part of Baruch. To be able to see within it what's called the Nitzatzalaki, in other words, it's, it's, div- it's manifestation of the divine. That's what the Nitzatz of everything is. Which, what's not the Nitzatz? I have heard that in Mitzrayim all the Nitzatzas were taken out, so what's left? What is it? What's left? Um, there's nothing that's not the nitzutz. <laughs> but there's a lot that's perceived not as the nitzutz. When I look in the mirror, yeah, I don't mean necessarily a physical mirror. You don't have to look in a physical mirror for this. What, what, what do I see? What, do, what am I experiencing? I can experience myself as completely one, one within myself and one with all of truth, or I may not. I may see my nitzitz, I may not see my nitzitz. The nitzitz is the pnimius, the, the core, which is the mission statement, the engine, the battery, the soul, 
the electricity. So bitter hanitzutzus means to identify in everything the nitzutz and extract it, so to speak. Extract it means to be able to relate to it from that place, from that perspective. So that's where uh, to make a bracha a different item. Identify yeah, yeah. source. So yeah, always, yeah. 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 Yeah, you 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 help reveal it. Like we said yesterday, what's Avaidas Hashem? It's the work, the ongoing work of relating to the oneness. The oneness of the universe, the oneness of the cosmos, the oneness of the planet, the oneness of humanity, and the oneness of your own life. Maybe the hardest. <laughs> and the oneness of yourself. You know, the oneness of your heart, your mind, your soul, your body. And and the symbiosis, the relationship with the rest of the world on that level. So, so the nitzutz is the identity of every mitzias, every reality, in its true, in its truth, which is completely part of infinity, part of oneness, a manifestation of the divine. The nitzutz is the way it manifests the divine light. That's why it's called nitzutz. Nitzutz is a spark of light. Because everything is a spark of light. However, like when you have a fire and the nitzitz leaves, the spark leaves, it becomes isolated. And sort of buried, hidden. In what? What we call clipper. Clipper means shells. And that's the proper word. I may not see, I, I may just see the shell. And when I only see the shell, my relationship right, with it and my relationship with myself is only from a shell perspective. All energy comes from the nits. There's no energy outside of the nitzitz. The shell's only reality is that it covers the nitzitz. It also lives from the nitzitz. <laughs> the shell also lives from the nitzitz. Which is why every shell also has a purpose. <laughs> It also lives from the nitzitz, but it can get very distorted. This is why life is so interesting, don't you know? <laughs> Before the Shvira Sakalim, there was no period on nitzitzes. The nitzitz was clear. If Beis, Reish, Vav, Chaf, they're all nitzitzes, they make a word, Baruch. But what, is, what happens with Shvira Sakalim? Every stalk is on its own. There's separation. Fragmentation. This only doesn't only create diversity; it creates fragmentation or perceived fragmentation. On a lower level, it creates brokenness. On a lower level, it creates loneliness, etc., etc. On a lower level, it creates a complete uh, selfishness, alienation, narcissism, and then immorality, evil. On its lowest, in its lowest manifestation. That's a good question. What's the difference between kosher food and non-kosher food? Right. Wherever the price is high, it usually has to do with the nitzitz. Uh, some of the people who set the price are very mystical. 
they, they have an inkling about the Netzutzus. So it's very interesting. The words for kosher and not kosher, right? We say, this is a dover ha-mutter, and this is a dover ha-asr, right? We say, this is mutter, this is asr. The way it's usually translated, mutter is permissible, asr is forbidden, right? This is mutter, this is asr. Isr means forbidden. But what's the real translation? The real translation is asr is tied up. A base ha-asurim is called a prison. We say every morning, Baruch HaTashem Lechem HaLechem Matir Surim. Unties those that are bound. Our ability to move, flexibility, agility, the ability to move, to stretch, that's just, that warrants a special blessing every morning. Matir HaSurim. person could get out of bed and stretch and move and and operate and navigate their many limbs and organs and bones, etc., muscles, is an incredible phenomenon, never to take for granted, as we all understand, or we should understand. So why is mutter and asr have that name? Mutter really means untied, like hataras nadarim, right? Hataras nadarim, you untie. We say in kol nidre, kol nidre ve'esare. It comes all from being tied. Le'esar. That's why a prison is called asurim. So the literal explanation is, because with something that's mutter, your hands are untied. <laughs> Take it and eat it. With something that's asur, your hands are, so to speak, tied, like I can't touch it. Like if my hands are tied, I can't touch it. So it's it would be like a cute, metaphoric way of saying, don't touch it, your hands are tied, even though they're not, but they should be. Right? The Balatanya says in Tanya in chapter 7 that it's not Stamapsa, a cute uh, expression. It's actually, in Lashon Kodesh, the words are very precise. Mutter is not talking about your hands. Asr is not talking about your hands. It's talking about the, the object. It's a very rich explanation. Mutter means the object, the food is untied. The nitzutz is untied. And usr means, yeah, usr means that the nitzutz is tied. What, what do we mean tied? Tied means sometimes I could look at somebody, yeah, and say this nitzutz is really, <laughs> is really tied up. You know, you say this guy needs to be unwinded a little bit. This nitzutz is really entangled, entrenched. And Therefore, you're not going to be able to extract it. If you're not going to be able to extract it, what's going to happen? Your relationship with it is going to be not good for you and not good for the thing. Mutter means it's untied, meaning it lends itself to be identified. Yeah. Everything has a nitzutz, but that doesn't mean that I have to have a relationship with everything. <laughs> A person is married. You'll forgive my blunt example. A person is married, but they have a crush on somebody. Yeah? Behind that crush, just we'll explain it very clearly. <laughs> is there a nitzutz there? Of course, the guy could sit in therapy for 20 years, figure out he's looking for something. He's probably not getting something in his marriage, right? Or the other way, she's not getting something. They're looking for something. And that what they're looking for is probably something very good, very noble. Maybe a little love, maybe a little validation, maybe a little connection. 
maybe a little respect. Really, they want to be part of who they really are. It all comes back to Prishvira uh, Sakela. Now, you say, this is a horrible thing he's doing or she's doing. Yeah, it's against Avodah Hashem. What are you really saying? What you're really saying is, your relationship here is not bringing you to a place of oneness. Because you're married. <laughs> you're married. Right? Is there a nitzutz here? Is there a calling here? Is there something here? There's something here. But it's not for you to extract at this point in life. The Gemara tells a story that uh, the Ran, the Ran has a girsa. It's a, it's a fascinating story. And the Ran has an elaborate girsa on it. The Masech Nadarim, Rabbi Akiva, lived in the second century and in the first century. The end of Bayesheni and afterwards. And the Romans had a governor in, in, in what they called Palestine, Judea. His name was Tur Nus Rufus. In Gemari, I have in a few places Rabbi Akiva discussing things with Tur Nus Rufus. The Roman governors liked having debates with Jewish scholars, and Rabbi Akiva and Tur Nus Rufus had many conversations. One day, Tur Nus Rufus comes home, and he's in a bad mood. So like a good wife, <laughs> she says, What's, uh, why are you in a bad mood? He was probably trying to hide it, but, you know, women right away feel it. Why are you in a bad mood? He says, this will be Akiva. I cannot defeat him. He's such a, uh, he's such a man of stature and principles. I just can't defeat him. I can't crush him verbally. So his wife says, I'll do it for you. With my beauty, I get everybody. <laughs> So she told him. <laughs> so she went to meet Rabbi Akiva and, you know, uh, like a peacock, display her uh, physical prowess. Rabbi Akiva looked at her. She, she wanted, you know, she offered closeness, like what the wife of Bativa did with Yosef. Rabbi Akiva looked at her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He spit, and he spit on the ground. Then he started to sob. Then when he finished, he started to laugh. So she looks at him and she says, you know, Atanarmali, what, what, what is this? Um, so he said, I spit because I was feeling repulsed by the fact that such beauty is abused and used in immoral ways. It's vile for me. So I spit. It was just my own reaction. There was something I couldn't deal with. I cried because I look at such beauty and I see that one day it's going to wither away and you'll end up in the grave with everybody else. Fodder for the worms. It's very sad. So she said, why do you laugh? He said, that I can't say. She came home, and she was blown away by this. Never happened in her life. 
Mamash never happened to her in her life. <laughs> Tunisrufas was in a bad mood. She was erst in a bad mood. Tunisrufas died at some point. She converted to Judaism. Rebecca even married her. And he said, that's why I left. <laughs> Says Dariza that this they were both sparks of Dina and Shechem. That's what that says, it says in Kabbalah. The 24,000 people in Shechem were the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, 24 people of Shimon, Zimri and Cosby, who had a relationship in Parshas, Bullock and Pinchas killed them, were also a Gilgal of Dina and Shechem. And the Tikkun of Dina and Shechem was Rabbi Akiva and his wife. Now what does all this mean? It's, it's funny stuff. It's very mystical stuff. What does all this mean? There's something very deep going on. Shechem was crazy about Dina. In fact, I'll tell you something interesting people don't realize. In the whole Tanakh, certainly the whole Chumash, but the whole Tanakh, there's never as many expressions of affection as Shechem towards Dina. It says, Yaakov loved Rachel, Shahim, man, Yitzchak loved Rivka, that's it, done. Shechem, every conceivable expression. The Medrash says, Ava, Chasheka, Chafetza. And the Torah doesn't stop using it. Using the expressions. And it's very strange. So the Alshech, the Alshech writes, uh, Shechem's father says, Chamer says, Shechem, Choshka Nafshi, Choshka Nafshi. His soul desires Dina, not his body. Don't only think it's his body. Their souls are connected. <laughs> his soul wants her. It's not just a physical reaction. Dina's a beautiful girl, and Shechem is having a bad day or a good day, and he thinks he could do whatever he wants with any girl. No, no, no. It's his soul. Right? But that's under the surface. On the surface, what is it? It's absolute abduction, rape, promiscuity, immorality. Like the brothers say, But there's a nitzot there. But Dina and Shechem were not capable right now to extract this relationship and turn it into a divine act of oneness. It would have been, it was a betrayal. A betrayal of her was torture. It was disgusting. Now this is very, very deep. So sometimes there's something I want, but the healthiest thing I can do is, yeah, not ignore it, not ignore the nitzitz, but realize right now the nitzitz is tied up. It's usr. It's bound up. It, you, If you go there, you're going to be, uh, what's the word? You, uh, no, the opposite. You will be... Uh, Pulled away by the tide. It's the lifeguard who goes in to save, to save the, the person drowning, right? And the, what does the undercurrent do? It sweeps him away. So two people die. Rahman al Islam. Huh? Pulls you down. Pulls you down. Now some people think, I'm different. Shlaima Malik says, I can do it. I can marry a thousand wives. I'm good. Torah says not. I'm different. I know how to navigate. I know too much. I know, I know the system. I know the map. 
since I know the map, I can go to places where other people don't go. And you'll see a lot of spiritual people make this mistake in their sexual lives and in their other parts of their lives. And it sometimes comes from very deep places because sexuality and spirituality are the closest thing in the world. They're the closest thing in the world. Huh? Ooh, the void then is very deep. <laughs> the void then is not to ignore it because it's there's something here, but to know, to know that if I go if I go into that, I will be swept away by the shell, and instead of extracting the spark, I will become part of the problem and create more fragmentation and therefore more loneliness and more alienation and more destruction. Because the nitzutz is not yet ready for you. Dina and Shechem, it wasn't there yet. It was too much going on. Rabbi Akiva understood this. He, st- he spit, he cried, and then he laughed. If he wouldn't have spit and cried, if he would have laughed right away, then he would have cried at the end. <laughs> you understand? Rabbi Akiva would see her. He would tell his wife, sorry, I found somebody new. Have a wonderful day. Right? And it would be so exciting. So ask people who do that. There's a lot of people who do that. Somebody fresh, exciting, right? Everything is dandy and beautiful. They do it. They do it all the time. And what happens? They laugh in the beginning. But in most cases, I believe 97% of cases, and I think it's an accurate statistic, it ends up in disaster. Because it was based on uh, immaturity. There was something there, but it wasn't fully fermented. It's like an egg before... It's like eating sour grapes. You understand? There's a grape there. It's not ripe. It's not going anywhere. There's something there. There's something in this person. But it's not... You're both not developed. You're trying to run away from your pain. She's trying to run away from her pain. You're connecting... Only by talking about things that are not real. Because <laughs> nobody, you don't have to run a house together or raise kids together or clean a kitchen together or pay bills together, right? All you can talk about is, uh, is vacations in New Zealand. You understand what I'm saying? Or climbing mountains in, in, in Banff or, go, or backpacking in Thailand. So what's there to fight about? If all I talk about is we're going to go backpacking in Thailand, how many fights are we going to get into? Right? Now they live together. Oh, now they have to raise kids. Now you gotta pay bills. Now you see each other 24 hours a day. It's a disaster. What happened to the Nitzitz? Fahakt. It's a garnish. It's a garnish. It's a garnish. It's garnished. It's almost irrelevant to you. That's the point. It's irrelevant to you. It's usur. There's a Nitzitz there. There's a nitzutz there. Is there very, uh, pretty selective cases that was the end? This, ah, so that's why there's something called a shulchan aruch. Says this is mutter, this is aser. Mutter means the nitzutz is waiting. Aser means, aser means to promote oneness in the world, you have to appreciate the fact that this nitzutz for you is tied up. There's a certain humility. Some people don't like to hear that. Especially intense spiritual people don't like to hear that some nitsutsis are inaccessible. Well, me? 
because you become godlike. Instead of being a manifestation of God, you replace God, which is the deepest loneliness. It's the loneliness of spiritual arrogance. What what the mitzvah is could be very relevant. Yeah. I could learn about myself if I know why there's such a pull for that mitzvah. You could learn about your own nitzitz. <laughs> I could learn about my voids, you mean. That's what you mean? Yeah. What am I looking for in her? Or in him? I'm giving a, a very blunt example because it's, it's relevant to many people's lives and I think everyone understands it. Not everybody, but some people understand it. But it's true with everything. It's even true with food. If there's a food, if I ate already, yeah, so eating, chazal kol achilagasa. Achilagasa means, you know when you eat and you can't breathe already? You already ate seven courses. <laughs> it's Friday night, right? You already ate, you finished two chalas, you finished the fish and the salads, etc. And the soup and the chicken. But there's dessert. You don't refuse brownie. It's called achilagasa. Okay. So what's pshat? Pshat is, <laughs> I'm not, this is not, no nitsutsas are coming out now. What's happening is, I'm an addict. I'm binging. And this food, it's clipper speaks to me. Yeah, but there's a nitsuts there. There's probably something I'm looking for. Am I going to get it through the food? No. But when I'm eating in a healthy way, and this is a kosher food, then yeah, there's a nitzitz there. The, the Baal Shem Tov said, the Pasuk says in Tehillim, many chassidim said, Erev Shabbos before Mincha, Re'evim gam tzmeim nafsham bohem atav, chapter 107. They're hungry, they're thirsty, their soul is yearning. So literally, it means people are hungry, they're yearning. Says the Baal Shem Tov, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you think you want the food. No, nafshem behem tesatov. The nefesh is looking for the nitzutz. That's a very powerful idea. The nefesh is looking for the nitzutz. So the fish becomes transformed. And I become transformed in the process. But what if I'm eating something not kosher? Or I'm eating something, even if it's kosher. Even if it's kosher. But I'm eating it in a way that's not... Back to our definition of Oedus Hashem. It's not bringing me closer to my oneness. On the contrary. <laughs> the reason I'm eating it is that there's a distraction. Because I need a distraction. Some of us, our addictions are food. Right? There's different addictions people have. But what is an addiction? An addiction is, I'm running away from my void. So now, I can't get in touch with that nitzitz. All I do is, I go, I, I, I become further alienated. And the chiddush is that the chemistry of the food, the spiritual chemistry of the food, also goes to a lower place. Like the nitzitz gets buried a little more. Can you say that abstaining is the nitzitz that you needed to find? Yeah. So that's asr and mutter. When something is asr, the work is in yourself, not in that. When something is mutter, the work is in the relationship. You understand the difference? 
You're always working with something. But the question is, is that something triggering work in yourself? Or no, the work is in me, but also in our relationship, in our connection, in our positive connection. It says that the wife of Paitifar was L'shem Shamayim Neskavan. Yeah? Means there was a Nitzitz there. How do we know there's a Nitzitz? He married her daughter for heaven's sake. Rashi says this. This is not. Rashi says Paitifar saw that she's going to have descendants with Yosef. It was her daughter, not her. You understand? So there was something very real there. We belong together. There's this chemistry. What do people say? There's so much chemistry. <laughs> With his, with her spouse, she has no chemistry. Yeah? With this gun, with this genius, yeah? Who she knows, she knows for 10 minutes, there's chemistry. It's called physical chemistry. I'm telling you that sometimes it can be even deeper. It's filling the void. What was the middle part which Nothing. But their souls had something. <laughs> But in this, in this, in this place, in this man, in this world, in this position, nothing. Like, then what's it because after generations, their souls went through processes where they could come together and it could be productive. If Rabbi Akiva would have done what Shem did, it would have been a moral disaster on every level. First he spit, then he cried. So they, they were connected, yes, they were connected. of course. It, sa- it says that Dina didn't want to leave. <laughs> Rashi says, this is not a Alpi Kabbalah for sure. Alpi Pshat, Dina did not want to leave. Why not? So that's my question. I guess the, how, what's the scenario? There was something very powerful there. And it both are true. There was something very immoral. It was a violation, right? He, she was kidnapped. She was abducted. This was not a voluntary thing. But there was something that was very satisfying. Not only to Shem, also to Dina. Rashi says that her brother had to, had to promise her that he'll take care of her and marry her. And ultimately, the Rabbeinu, the Medrash says she went down to Mitzrayim, Agan Samaisa. Can you think of something, what would have happened, how the, the Mitzvahs could be, when they come, come apart in a real way? Like a, yeah, with your wife. No, no, with, with Shem and Dina. If Shem and Dina would wait it out and, and for the, the real Nitzvah to come. Oh. Like so Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva and his wife, and that wife, the second wife, were ultimate. that was it. Yeah, so what's the scenario that you could think of? Obviously, we don't know the answer because it never happened. Will it happen with Rabbi Akiva? It's sometimes very painful. Listen, it's painful. There's an element of grief here because you're giving up on a sweet dream. It's not so simple. But people are so subjective here that without a, an objective guideline of what's right and what's wrong, it's almost impossible not to fall. Because it's so subjective, it's so emotional, it's so romantic, it's so exciting that without a real objective guide, like you almost can't blame anybody. It's like I understand. They're miserable. Huh? They're miserable, and uh, and they wanted a shortcut. <laughs> I get it. The problem is, it's not a shortcut. It's a long, winding, and usual usually disastrous road. 
like a diabetic eating sugar-plated uh, food, or po- which has poison inside. Anybody eating sugar-plated food that has poison inside. Rabbi Akiva was the opposite. He cried, and therefore he could laugh. And that's what clipper is. Clipper means it's very appealing. The shell is very, very appealing. It looks so exciting. How can you resist it? But in the process of resisting it, you're actually becoming a person. And therefore, your happiness can be much deeper. Your joy can come from oneness, not from escapism. Well, things that are also by abstaining from them, for example, those stories about Sadiqim were in a place of uh, impurity and they couldn't think about Teira. Yeah. They had to concentrate, not to have any holy thoughts. Yeah. They were in the wrong place. Do you liberate Mitsutsas by doing that? Or is it something else? Sometimes, sometimes, it says in Chesedus, the nitzutz of something is just to challenge you to go deeper into yourself. So that nitzutz is liberated by you abstaining. <laughs> yeah, you understand? The purpose of this particular phenomenon or person or reality often is, what's its nitzutz? To bring out within me the courage and the depth and the awareness of the work I have to do within myself. So by doing that, I actually liberate its nitzitz, which means paradoxically, if I indulge it, I bury the nitzitz. And if I stay away from it, it's thankful to me. It like almost begs me. I'm telling you, yes, I'm, I'm asking you, but please say no. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, that child who asks you for something, and he may not even know it, but he wants you to say no, because he knows it's not good for him. But the parent is sometimes so foolish and gets uh, gets uh, enraptured and allured by the veneer. Please say yes. Really, he's begging. Please say no. Right? Like, please put me to sleep, even though I'm going to scream and tell you the worst father. Please put me to sleep. But if you don't have that amkus, that clarity, so you get lured in by the husk, which actually is destructive for that thing, <laughs> which you think you're indulging. It's actually, it, what it really wants is you should stay away from me. You should abstain. And that's often its nitzels. So that's sometimes the case. There's a lot of different, a lot of different phenomena. There's another thing it says in Tanya. The Gemara says when a person does tshuva out of love, the sin becomes a mitzvah. So Gemara in Yuma, Peivov, Zdoinus Nasalekazach, as Rishlakish said, when you do tshuva out of love, the sin becomes a mitzvah. So the Rebbe says, what's pshat? So how does the sin become a mitzvah? So this is what he says, listen to this. When you do tshuva out of love, so then the negative act retroactively turns out to have become the fuel and the oxygen and the motivation and the catalyst for a much deeper yearning and thirst and love. Because there's no passion like the passion that comes from knowing the opposite. When somebody hasn't eaten in a few days or hasn't had a drink in a few days or hasn't had a bed in a few days, right? Their yearning for it is just on a completely different level. Somebody who's been unhealthy 
they appreciate health in a different way, right? Somebody who can't breathe, and then they can breathe, or they can't go to the bathroom, they have constipation. They just appreciate in a different way. Spiritually as well. My mistakes, when they are transformed into catalysts for growth, what happens now? So the Alter Rebbe says, you took the nitzitz of the Aveira, and you extracted it, because the sin became... What the sin became, your springboard for a new level of oneness and avoidance Hashem. So you actually took out the nitzutz. You did the impossible. God in Shulchan Aruch says, this nitzutz is not for you. The Balchuva, yeah, he changes, he manipulates the map of spiritual quantum mechanics. That's why we makam shabalat shuvah. I'm the matzadik can't stand because the tzadik follows the GPS, God's positioning system. The balshuvah changes the chemistry of reality. What does he do? He or she extracts the nitzutz from the sin. It becomes part of avodas Hashem. So it's not so like azachis. It's like a mitzvah. It's like when I put on tefillin and I took the nitzutz of the animal and I put it on my my hand and my head. Or any other mitzvah, you do. The bread that you eat for Shabbos, the one you make Kiddush, or whatever it is. Any mitzvah you do. Most mitzvahs, the, tzedakah, the money you give for tzedakah. Yitaifas, that's what he says. That's what the Balshuva does. But it's not something I go into. I don't say, I'm going to get the nitzvahs out. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't do that. I'm going to eat the treif, and then I'm going to take the nitzvahs out. It doesn't work that way. That's a very profound idea. That's what, that's one of the, the, the revolutions of tshuva. To turn around and redefine the nature of the forbidden. <laughs> and that, the point is that it becomes like a mitzvah because the nitzvah comes out. So, uh, there's an expression in, uh, The, 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 what the Tanya is really saying is, everything has a heksha mitzvah, meaning, there's nothing you could do without a preparation. I can't just blow shoifah on Rosh Hashanah. I need to take a ram's horn and fashion it. I can't just sit in a sukkah. I have to build a sukkah. I can't just wrap tefillin. I have to create tefillin or buy tefillin. I can't just make kiddush on Shabbos. I need a cup. I need wine, right? Everything. I can't just light Hanukkah candles. I need to get oil. I need a wick. I need a manure. I need fire. It's called Heksha Mitzvah. When you go to the store to buy oil for Hanukkah, you're not doing a mitzvah, but you're doing what's called Heksha Mitzvah. You're preparing the grounds for a mitzvah. There's no mitzvah that comes without Heksha Mitzvah. Nothing. Every mitzvah needs some preparation, right? Every mitzvah. A woman goes to the mikveh. You need a mikveh. You need to go. You need to travel. You need to get into your car. You need somebody to take. I mean, all these things. You just need somebody has to build a mikveh. <laughs> you need rainwater. You need a bar. You need etc. These are all hechsha mitzvahs. Building a mikveh itself is not the mitzvah. The mitzvah is going into the mikveh. But without building a mikveh, nobody's using a mikveh, right? We all understand that. It's called hechsha mitzvah, building a sukkah, or building a mikveh, or writing a sefer Torah. Okay, over there. So. Uh, Every mitzvah has a heksher mitzvah. And you can identify what it is. 
You want to make Siddur Shabbos? You have to cook on Friday. You're not going to cook on Friday, you're not going to have Shabbos. We should talk about Shabbos, Yechub Shabbos. The question now is, what's the Heksher Mitzvah? The Balatanya asks, what's the Heksher Mitzvah of Tshuva? <laughs> An Aveda. What's the Heksher Mitzvah for Tshuva? An Aveda. Now, but we don't say this. Really? An Aveda is a Heksher Mitzvah? An Aveda is an Aveda. It's the opposite of a Mitzvah. So what's Pshat? Pshat is like this. An Aveda is an Aveda. <laughs> it's not a Heksher Mitzvah. When you do Tshuva, when you do Tshuva out of love, retroactively, you redefine the Aveda as a Heksher Mitzvah of Tshuva. You redefine your mistake, your error, your transgression as the ability for you to do tshuva. Ooh, so what happens when you do a heksha mitzvah? You just took out the nitzitz. You just aligned it with infinity. So your sin now became what? Became a divine act. Became a heksha mitzvah. And that's an incredible idea in life. We make a lot of mistakes. And the mistakes that we make... It's not just about sin and classic sin. It's about mistakes we make. And those mistakes are not made because we're trying to make our lives, we, we think we're making our lives better, but they're not, they're not, they're made out of cluelessness, out of stupidity, out of trauma, out of loneliness, out of brokenness. That's the mis- so many mistakes we make, right? We all know this in our lives and we do stupid things that sometimes end up affecting ourselves or others in disastrous ways. So what happens now? On one level, you could look at it and just say, you know, I'm a loser, I'm on a nebuch case, and I'm a broken person, and let me just go into the quagmire of depression. What do you just do? You went further into the shvira. <laughs> you went, you, your shvira sakalem is now, you know, quadrupled. What's the concept of tshuva? The concept of real tshuva with tremendous passion is the exact opposite. It turns out that your mistake may have been your greatest moment. Because if it becomes a source of education and awareness, so you're a changed man or woman because of your mistake. And then what happens? You redeem, you redeem the godliness of that act or that choice or that path or that decision, which was completely concealed. And you concealed it even more. And suddenly... It's shining brightly because it brought me to a place of oneness amidst broken from, from my, from my fragmentation. Retroactively, it's redefined as a heksha mitzvah. The herst. The Svas Emes writes in Parshas Vayigash, since it's Friday, I'll tell you this vart. He says that, uh, it's very deep. Yosef reveals himself to his brothers in Vayigash. Why now? Why not in the beginning? They weren't ready for it yet because the family was still split. People ask, why didn't Yosef uh, write a letter home? Why didn't he call home? Why didn't he send a telegram? Why didn't he send a WhatsApp message? How long, how far is it to send a messenger to it's Israel from Egypt, you're the prime minister, you can't send a mailman to Tati and say, Daddy, I'm alive, you know your father loves you. The answer is very simple and very deep. It would have been a, 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 
it would have been a pre again a premature joy because Yosef knew there's an infection in the family. Okay, so they feel bad. We'll come together. We'll make a siddha saida, and for two weeks we'll smile to each other. But the underlying discord was not dealt with. Whenever you don't deal with it, it comes back. Sometimes it's under the radar, but it comes back. When I'm having an issue with my brother, my sister, my family, so yeah, if somebody goes through a tragedy, so for two weeks everybody is good, but essentially you have to deal with it. Yosef had to see what's really going on. When Yehuda and the brothers had Maseris Nefesh for Binyamin, Binyamin was to be taken as a slave, and Yehuda said, I'll be the slave for life and let Binyamin go back. This was a reversal of what Yehuda did 22 years earlier when he sold Yosef into slavery. And now he was ready to become a slave instead of Binyamin, who was Yosef's full brother, and Binyamin, who was accused of being a thief, and still he was ready to do this. And Yosef says, okay, now we could uh, come back together. The word that Yosef uses when he reveals himself to his brothers, he says, I'm Yosef, and now don't be depressed. Now. Says this Fasemis, what's now? The Medrash Rabbah says, Ein va'ata tshuva. Whenever it says the word va'ata in Chumash, now it means tshuva. Where do we know it? In Parshas Bereshis, God says, va'ata, and now Adam is going to eat from the tree of life and live forever. What's now? And if an hour later, it says, now means Adam will do tshuva and eat from the tree of life. And the source says, because it says in Parshas Eker, Now, what does Hashem ask of you? Only to fear God. Va'ata is a lotion of tshuva. Now, it's a fascinating chazal why tshuva is indicated in the word now. Why tshuva is indicated in the word now? And the depth of this is, it's not my topic now, now, but I'm going to say it because I, I can't contain myself, it's so powerful. The definition of tshuva means that there's something called now. That's what tshuva means. Many of us don't believe there's something called now. We believe that now is just a, a, uh, uh, just a, a, a product, a result, you know, the domino effect of, of, of the previous. My genes, my nurture, my old relationships, my old stories. Tshuva means there's something called now. The power of now is not a chiddish of uh, our generation. That's what it means. That's va'atas lashen tshuva. Tshuva means the belief that there's something called now. If there's something called now, it's a new moment, a new paradigm, a transformation. I, my husband, my wife, my kid, my job, my trauma, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my rabbi, my community. Uh, you're right, but there's something called now. <laughs> Just that can change your life. If you could live in now, you could change your life. But it's, it's the hardest thing in the world to live in now. How do I live in now? I know you. <laughs> I have a filing cabinet on everybody. And remember, you think Google is good, your brain is much better than Google. You think Google has a filing cabinet? You type in a name and Google tells you everything. Your brain is much more effective. You type in a name <laughs> and the brain has everything stored. And the biggest filing cabinet you have on yourself, because you know this, Meshugana. You know him better than anybody, right? So you have a, there's no now. There's no now. There's only responding. Shuvah means there's now. Ein So Yosef uses the word, and now you shouldn't get depressed. Va'ata al why, says Svasemis, he was telling them, there's tshuva. There's tshuva. 
you transformed it. What's his kasha? He says this all in three and a half lines. I'm just uh, developing it a little bit. He writes very brief and very cryptic. Says, I don't understand. Already in Parshas Miketz, when Yosef arrested his brothers because he accused them of being spies, says they turned to each other and they said, Avol, the, the prime minister is, is arresting us, but we're guilty. Not an espionage, we're guilty in something else. Two decades ago, our brother was pleading for compassion, and we didn't listen to him. And Yosef and Reuven said, I told you not to do it. You, God is now demanding his blood, two decades later. And Yosef heard this, he went to the other room and he started to cry. Rashi says, because he saw different brothers. He saw the remorse. He saw the regret. So you already did, they already did tshuva the first time. First time they came down, they did tshuva. Yosef should have said, okay, Chavra, you're changed, I'm good. He doesn't do that. He puts them through the ringer. Ooh. They still have to go back. Shimon has to stay. They got to bring Binyamin. They bring Binyamin. Right? He puts the goblet in his bag. He accuses him of being a thief that comes back. And Yehuda speaks to him. It's a very complicated process. If he was waiting for tshuva, as the Svasamas, they did tshuva. So he says something incredibly profound. They did tshuva out of fear. You're in prison. And this guy is telling you, you know, I could keep you here for the rest of your life. They have families, they have a father, they have children. Out of fear. You look in the Pasuk, it says, Avol anachnu, because we didn't listen to our brother's cries. Al kein ba leinu atzara hazois. That's why we have the tzara. It's the tzara that brought out the tshuva. It's a different type of tshuva. It's tshuva out of the fear of the, even, even if the fear is very, very real. It's, 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 it's a, it's, it's, it's an authentic fear. It's fear for, 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 for life. <laughs> for our future, for our tsara, This triggers in me remorse. But this tshuva could never transform the past. It can only teach you that you made a horrible mistake and feel remorse, which is fine, which is important, which is very good, but it could never transform the past. The past remains unliberated. The past remains dark. As the Gemara says, tshuva meyira, at best, your sins can be seen as mistakes, but not as mitzvahs. What Yosef, what they needed was tshuva out of different level of tshuva. Not like, look at the trouble we're in, you know? Look at the trouble we're in. <laughs> like I once, uh, the head of a Moisad once told me, you know, I had to put in new procedures connecting to child safety, child abuse, because the government is cracking down. I said, wow, nebuch. <laughs> I mean, the government wouldn't crack down. I molest another couple of kids. The government is cracking down on me. You understand? <laughs> he's frightened. He's fr- so he's going to change things. And if he's really frightened, and hopefully he is, he'll change them for real. But your past is not liberated. Tshuva out of love means you internally go through a transformation. It's not I'm frightened, I'm going to get caught, I'm frightened because of the punishment. I'm not frightened. I really go through a transformation. It's not an easy thing. Then 
your past mistakes becomes your greatest asset because that's what brings you to this recognition in no other ways. Yosef said, Now I want you not to be depressed over what you did. How? You didn't sell me. What do you mean you didn't sell me? They did sell him. Well, he's naive. You didn't sell me. God sent me to provide life for you. What did Yosef just do? You see what he did? He changed the past. He turned it into a mitzvah. <laughs> you actually did the best thing for humanity. Now, is this, what do you mean the best thing? They tortured a 17-year-old kid, their own brother. They caused their father untold grief. That's true. To say that immediately would be a joke. You destroy your family. Oh, you were doing a mitzvah. You weren't doing a mitzvah. You are Russia. <laughs> you got to cry before you laugh. You understand? If you don't feel the pain... So then you're just in denial. You're just using nice words to justify abuse. You can't go there. First is the real remorse. Now Yosef says, there's There's something called now. You could live in the past. Why do most people live in the past? Because the past haunts them. How can the past not haunt you? If instead of living in the past, you live in the now and you transform the past. So the past now is just about now. In other words, you sold me. On one level, you sold me. Now let me tell you a different story that happened. You helped save the whole world from hunger. You allowed me to become the prime minister of Egypt. You allowed me to save my father and my whole family from famine. And you allowed the Jewish people to exist forever and not die from hunger. That's what you did. Really? That's what we did? That's what you did. In other words, you did a heksha mitzvah. You didn't do an aveli, you did a mitzvah. That's true. Huh? It was for them. That's not the tshuva of, of Parshish Miketz. The tshuva of Meira. This is a tshuva me'ava. It's a different tshuva. It's a tshuva that comes when he saw what they did for Binyamin. They didn't know that this is Yosef. Remember, this has to be genuine. When he saw the different Yosef, he realized they went through a transformation of consciousness. They were different people now. Once you go through that transformation, and the only reason they can go through this transformation is because of what they did to Yosef. It's like this will not happen again in our family. That conviction, that fight for justice, Yosef saw. When Yehuda tells him his last words in his long speech, I spoke about this at length in the women's class this week, and if you have a chance, it's good to hear it. Huh? It's two hours, so you need to go to Long Island. But if you have to go to Long Island with double speed, it'll work. Uh, or you can get onto the FDR today, or Palisades, there'll be traffic, etc. The greatest compliment I got from somebody is he's going to work already 35 years. The one thing he hates about his life is the traffic coming back in there from the city. He says, till I started to listen to your classes in the car, I pray for traffic till the class is over. <laughs> so that was, ah, Shiva Mayava. The traffic itself becomes, because uh, I didn't think of that, yeah. I was appreciating the compliment more than the nitzots. <laughs> you understand? 
Huh? Huh? Oh, <laughs> what did that do for Shalom Bias? <laughs> you got to know your limits too. So, why am I saying that? Oh, so we spoke to the, as I said to the women, it's the longest speech in Beratius Yehuda gives to Yosef, who he thinks is the Prime Minister. It's 17 Pesukim. You don't have such a long uh, monologue in Chumash. It doesn't exist. It's usually one Pesukim, two Pesukim. So every word is very meticulous. After everything, he says, I can't go back to Yaakov. If I go back with Abinyam and he's going to die, I guaranteed him. Let me be the slave. His last words are, his last words is, he says, uh, how can I go back without this kid? I cannot see the pain that my father will experience. The word my father, he says 14 times. And the last word is Avi. Yosef knows he's the person. 22 years ago said, what benefit is there to keep our brother in the pit? Let's sell him at least for a couple of dollars. Where was your father then? We'll tell him that his son was killed with a tunic in blood. 22 years later, what does Yehuda say? I'll be a slave for the rest of my life because I can't look at my father's pain. And if Asema says, really, Yehuda was saying the wrong argument. Yehuda should have said what he said earlier. I'm the guarantor. I'm responsible. That's the punchline. I'm responsible. It's not what he says at the end. Not that I'm responsible. I can't see the pain of my father. It's very different. He says, this is where Yosef saw the transformation. Yehuda was Afrumayid. You sign a contract, you do it. That wasn't the Vart. The Vart was not that Yehuda is Afrumayid. The Vart is that he's connected to his father. There's two types of Yiddishkeit. There's a Yiddishkeit. I'm an Ehrlicher person. I said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That didn't get Yosef. <laughs> okay. He said, it's not about... I guaranteed I'm going to be a sinner. Forget, I'll be a sinner. But I can't see the pain of my father. That changed it. That was the tshuva me'ahava. So Yosef says, If this is the case, you don't even have to be depressed about the past. You just you just extracted the nitzutz. The sale of Yosef became part of a story of oneness. Not easy, it's not easy to say. It's not easy to say, but that's what happened. And that's a very emotional moment when you could look at your life and ask yourself, and I'm going to ask you to do this for a moment, what's the worst mistake you ever made? Because taking your brother, throwing him in a pit, and selling him as a slave is on a list of pretty, you know, pretty severe mistakes. So I, I assume nobody did that to their brother sitting in this room. But maybe in a little bit, you know, ask yourself, what was the greatest mistake you ever made? And I don't mean maliciously you were trying to be evil, even out of cluelessness, or out of trauma, or out of immaturity. But the greatest mistake you made. And if you can ask God to delete a few things from your life, you know, that would be number one. Just delete this. Or maybe the, the t- what were the top three things you would like to delete from your, from your resume, from your inner resume? You don't have to all answer the question at once. But just think about it for a moment, right? That's what the brothers faced. That's what the brothers faced. 22 years. It's not six months later. It's 22 years later. They lost a brother. He married out in Egypt. 
uh, or but the, the different culture had two children, the only two kids who grew up without a Jewish family, without a zayda, right? No shalom zochers, no bar mitzvahs, no Hanukkah parties, no Hanukkah gelt, no chickpeas, and the worst, no jalapeno herring. They saw it all. And now is the moment of confronting it. And Yosef, the victim, says, Ve'ata al there's no room for depression or even anger at yourself for what you did. Because you have worked it through so much that right now you have redefined your lowest moment as you have redefined your lowest moment, your nadir, what is it called? Your, your, um, the lowest moment, what is it? Huh? Your abyss, uh, nadir, no, the, huh? You get the point. Your most embarrassing moment, your lowest moment, you just transformed, huh? Yeah. You just transformed into your greatest, into your greatest moment. This never could have happened. Now that did not make them feel, I don't think it made them feel good about what they did. It's not what it does. I don't think it did that. But what I think it does do is, because if you're in that place, you're not feeling good. Oh, hooray, I abused you. I could now go eat shalant. That's not the vart. The vart is you're in the state of humility, of seeing the grandness of reality, you know, and how, you could never know the full picture. And sometimes it takes 22 years. And that's the nitzutz that we identify, where it's part of the Ein Saif, where there's a tikkun to it. There's a very deep tikkun to it. And it's a process that requires deep humility, because without that, you remain stuck in the, in the negativity, in the toxicity. So that's the short answer to your question of uh, the difference between permissible things and uh, forbidden things. And uh, yeah, I do know I said last yesterday at the end of the day that I'm not giving an introduction today. I didn't, right? It wasn't an introduction. It was uh, it was the essence itself. Tafasta. Huh? 22 years? Um, since recognizing that they're, like, recognizing godliness in some people's I, I don't know, I don't know how to understand that as a practical level. I guess I have to accept knowing that there is godliness. Yes. Right. I can't always figure it out. Like, they couldn't figure this out on their own. There's a surrender. You have to surrender also. That's the remorse they felt. And Yosef didn't tell this to them in the beginning. After he said, I'll stay here for instead of Binyamin. That's when Yosef could say it. Because if Yosef would just say, eh, it's not such a bad thing you guys did. Okay, fine. He took him off the hook. At best, it was true out of fear. But it wouldn't be this tikkun where they could really see the transformation of what they did and see it as a good act. But once Yehuda was ready to give everything up for Binyamin, he put his life on the line, which would have changed him forever. 
and not in a positive way. He would have been a slave. The king of the Shvatim, the son of Yaakov, destined to royalty, would have died as a slave in an Egyptian palace to a Gentile prime minister. Now how is that for a life? And that moment of complete surrender, because that's the right thing, even though he had every excuse in the world not to do it, he could come back to his father and say, listen, Tati, Binyamin is a thief. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I guaranteed to bring him back if he's normal. If he jumps off a bridge, what am I supposed to do? Catch him? Jump into the Pacific? What am I supposed to do? I could guarantee him somebody starts up with him, somebody this. But I can't guarantee if he's going to go kill himself or steal from the, from the prime minister. What, what do you want I should do? I'm not a miracle worker. He could have done all that, you know? But he didn't. He completely surrendered himself, knowing this is the right thing, without cheshbonus, only because of what he did to Yosef. <laughs> there was that trauma that, that, that brought him to a different place. And he could not bear it happening to his father again. Internally, not because he'll get punished, because he's going to be seen as dishonest, because his father said that we made a contract, because he's going to lose either. Rashi says he made a commitment in this world and next world. So the Swasama says he could have told you, I'm going to lose my Elam Haba. He says, but fear of losing your Elam Haba has nothing to do with truth. <laughs> That's Tshuva Meyira. You want it in the tshuva. You you don't want you don't want to lose your elamamba. You don't want to lose your cheesecake. This one cares about cheesecake here. This one cares about cheesecake there. It's a nice thing. Elamamba is a shenazach. They sang at the sea. My elamamba is a gitazach. It's a zayir But it's not tshuva out of ava. You understand? I don't want to lose my elamamba. Yeah, elamamba is a serious thing. I don't want to lose it. I have. I need binyamin back. He says that, but that's not his punchline. His punchline is not about my elamamba. It's about my father. And as a result of that, he sees the transformation. And now Yehuda can see his previous sin as a mitzvah. Only now. Credible insight, huh? Yosef knew it, yeah. Yosef, Yosef saw, that's what we're going to learn. Yosef saw, Yosef saw reality from Prishvira Sakela. <laughs> Yeah, pre, but inside, yeah. Yosef saw reality pre Shvira Sakela. The brothers couldn't. It wasn't a growing process for him? Of course it was a growing process, but there's growth and there's growth. <laughs> First taste. <laughs> there's growth and there's growth. Okay, listen. So we see there was the Asara Rugei Malchus, Ephesus, uh, the, the Tikkun was not Nishlam, but uh, it was still uh, it was still very positive. And Yaakov, it says, had his best years in Mitzrayim. There was an Indian of Aata. Yeah, you see that there was uh, Yosef, it seems like, can embrace it fully. They couldn't. That's the fascinating thing. The victim was wholesome. <laughs> they not. Vaharai, when Yaakov passed away, they thought he's going to take revenge. Yeah, yeah. And he said, again, he told him the same words, you thought you're going to harm me. 
Atem chashavta malayla rov, elakim chashavta latoiva. I don't have what to take revenge for. You did me a favor. <laughs> you throw me out of the office. I worked for you for 25 years. I had a good job. Yeah. I was making $100,000 a year by you. You threw me out like a dog, right? So you allowed me to open my own company. You understand? And become one of the most successful tycoons in the century. So I have to go back to you and say, Todaraba, thank you. <laughs> I know you were trying to kill me. But God was trying to I would have remained stuck behind the desk in your office. I would have remained a shlamazel for life. Huh? So 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 that's what Yosef has to tell them. So that they're afraid he's gonna take revenge. They're still not completely they don't completely believe it. It says Yosef couldn't contain himself. So this Vasama says that the Mashmos of the Pasuk is almost like the Torah is lamenting. He should have, he should have held back a little more. He couldn't. It's almost like an outcry. He should have. Yeah, because the Tikkun wasn't finished. That's why it says he met Binyamin and they cried on each other's necks for the Beis Hamikdashes that would be destroyed. What's the connection now? You meet your brother, the Beis Hamikdash is going to happen. He says, no, 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 it's now. Beis Hamikdash wasn't destroyed later, it was destroyed now. It's another incredible insight. He should have contained himself a little more. But that's okay, listen, there's, you know, oimek lefnime, oimek lefnime, oimek, it's deeper and deeper. But that's the point that uh, he was from pre-Shvida. So mainly he could see it. But he wasn't aloof. He wasn't pre-Shvida in La La Land. He's the one who suffered most. He was in the Shvida, but he was pre-Shvida. Yeah. And as we'll see, we'll, well, the Maimah says this is where they had to bow down to him. They couldn't accept that. <laughs> okay. It's verstanden. Was gefilt. Well, Yutas Kislev is usually Parsha's, this Parsha of Ayesha. There's people who are in jail and they're in jail. There's people who are in jail and they're above jail. And then there's people who are in jail and they're still above jail. It's very different. There's people who are in jail, people who are above jail. And then there's people who could be both. You understand the difference? Rabashkin said that. Just, they said, you know, you're going to need therapy, you're going to need therapy, you're going to take us. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> it was Taka Chiddush that he didn't need therapy. When he came out, so I think the next day, two days later, he came to my house. See, tell me that everybody's telling him he should go to therapy. Because <laughs> that's in America. Everybody goes to therapy. Especially if you're in a cell for eight years. You for sure go to therapy. So he asked me innocently, did Rachsas get off therapy? <laughs> I said, that's good therapy. So they didn't enjoy life. <laughs> like innocently, you think I need therapy? <laughs> I said, you're good, you're fine. <laughs> People who are not in prison need therapy. You're good. Okay.
Have a wonderful Shabbos. Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, Zion Tevis, Hatzlach and Abba, Alichtuk Shabbos, and Hagitten Shabbos. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.